Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I want to hear cannons. Three-step drop, goes on the end zone. Hot ball, touchdown Tampa Bay. Mike Evans reaches up with one hand and grabs it in. Here they go again, tempo mode, dropping the throw, once it out, it got those to the left, it's intercepted at the 35, outside the numbers to the 40, to the 35, to the 30, to the 25, to the 20, to the 15, 10, Mike Edwards, touchdown Tampa Bay, that's the dagger, my friend. This is the Big Nasty, yeah, Big Nasty, Hall of Fame, Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother, you ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! And there are the cannons go. Fire them. Keep on firing them. Keep on firing them. Hello and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire podcast live on YouTube today. I'm your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host from BucksNation.com. Mr. Evan Wanish joining us today. Very good friend of the show. We've been talking to this guy forever, and uh, thank God he has not become too big time for us to talk to. We just watched him on NFL Network the other morning. It was pretty damn cool. Uh, but Trevor Sikama back on the podcast once again. Boys, how are we doing? Doing well, and uh, yeah, happy to have Trevor on. I was We were talking before the show. I was going to mention it on the show. It has been 11 months, almost to the day, since we last had Trevor on the show. It was right before the Rams-Bucks playoff game. Uh, the date of that was January 19th. So cool. uh, it is almost 11 months, uh, over 11 months, almost a year since we've had him on the pod. It's kind of hard to believe, but uh, happy to have you back on. Good to know I'm still the jinx. <laughs> I, I do a Bucks podcast, and then they lose in the playoff to the Rams. I don't even live in Tampa anymore, and I'm still having to be the jinx. No, it's awesome to be with you guys. Never too big time, no doubt about that. I was asking you guys in the pre-show, how long you've been doing this podcast? Because when Evan asked me to come on, I was just like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I haven't been on there, I feel like, in, in a while. And I remember back my first year with Pewter Report, back in 2017, uh, you guys asked me to come on your podcast, and so I knew it was that long, but, like, Congrats to you guys. I I don't know if you're around a milestone or anywhere close to a milestone, but like doing a Bucks podcast for this long, man, still being in the game. Y'all are awesome. Salute to you guys. Appreciate you having me on the show, but it's awesome that you guys are uh, obviously still doing this and doing it great. It it really means a ton to hear that, man. Um, you know, we put a lot of passion into this project, obviously, and some seasons have been more fun to cover than some others. We're <laughs> grateful we got to see a Super Bowl victory, but we are here today to talk about the 2022 season and beyond. So for anyone who has been living under a rock, it is safe to say that while the 2022 season is not over by any means, the Buccaneers still first place in the NFC South, still just as much a chance as uh, any other division leader to have a playoff spot right now. But with that being said, it's been a disappointing year uh, with Tom Brady obviously coming in, coming back out of retirement and deciding that yet again, this roster is good enough to go on a Super Bowl run. Bruce Arians retires a couple of weeks following that news, and we are left with Todd Bowles and company. A lot of people thought this transition would be smoother than it has been, but here we are. The Bucks are sitting with a six and eight record. Thank God first place in the NFC South. But Trevor, let me ask you this. You know, were people wrong for their expectations to be as high as they were coming into the season? Because me and Evan picked them to win 11 and 12 games respectively this year. 
And I mean, even predictions like that with hindsight now being 2020 just seems so far out of reach. I mean, look, 11 wins certainly should not have been out of the question for this team. Shoot, even with the injuries that this team has sustained, thinking that they could have won 10, 11 games was well within their reach. I mean, they obviously still have three games remaining. They've got six wins so far on the season. And just think about how poor some of the showings have been for this team. You even change two of those results around. All of a sudden, they've got eight wins, get three games left. Okay, probably win two down the stretch. Boom, there's double digits. So to think that it... To think that it was far-fetched or an oversight or anything like that to predict them winning 10 or 11 games, I mean, I definitely disagree with that. Now, if you were picking this team to be like the number one seed in the NFC, okay, there were reasons to think that they were going to take a step back from that. You looked at the other schedules around the NFC. You knew that they were going to be easier, even if you didn't think Philly was going to have one win at this point. You knew that they were going to have a lot, given the easy schedule that they've had so far. So... I guess my answer to that question is no. I mean, I, I don't really think that it was unrealistic to think that they would have won that many games. It just feels like everything has gone wrong. Like, you look at the coaching change. All right, Bruce Arians steps aside. Todd Bowles takes over. Well, okay, everything else is the same. In fact, Arians is still on the staff. It's just he's not wearing the head coach headset. So how much... How much of a step back could we have really thought that was going to make? And obviously, it's clearly something that has really affected this team in a negative way, but there was no way to tell that. Then you go throughout the season, you look at some of the injuries, right? Tristan Wirfs has missed time. Obviously, missing Ryan Jensen throughout the whole year has been really hurt. It has been really hurting them. Julio Jones missing all the time that he has missed has really hurt this team. Chris Godwin not exactly being Chris Godwin of old, still getting back after that major injury. And then of course, Shaq Barrett going down as well. And Shaq was really the only guy who was productive for them off the edge. So at that point, you know, you list things off and you go pass catchers, uh, defensive trenches, offensive trenches, nothing's really working out so well. It looks like Leonard Fournette's taking a massive step back. They don't have that go-to guy in the passing game. And I'm just kind of waterfalling here to say everything that could have gone wrong for the Buccaneers has gone wrong outside of like Tom Brady getting hurt or something like that. It just feels like all of this stuff has come to a head and um, they can't figure it out one way or another. When one thing dips on this team, when it comes to really good teams, other areas of the game or other areas of the roster are able to pick it up. That has almost never happened at any point this season. They've never been able to pick up the deficiencies that they've had, whether it be injuries or bad play calling or um, deficiencies on either side of the ball, whatever it was. And it's just, they're not a good team right now. They have good players. The Buccaneers have good players on the roster. That's why you hear on NFL Network and ESPN all season long, oh, are they going to figure it out? Are they going to get into swinging things? The thing is, is that they've got good players They're just not a good team. This is just not a good football team right now. They have not been able to pick each other up throughout the season. Yeah, and I think what you just said was uh, magnified last Sunday because you saw what they could be. Uh, In the first half, you saw exactly what they could be and what they were for 2020 and 2021. I mean, that's largely what what they looked like. Um, The first half of the Cincinnati game really reminded me of the first half of the Buffalo game last year, which, of course, Buffalo, you know, made it interesting, but the Bucs were able to win in overtime. Uh, And then the second half showed you what they were, what they actually are right now. Um, 
And I think that, like you said, when one thing goes wrong, it's just, and we talked about this on the game, you know, the, the review show, uh, when one thing goes wrong, it just seems to crumble down. And that wasn't an issue in 2020 or 2021. When one thing would go wrong, they were able, somebody was able to pick it up and they just, they haven't been able to do that consistently, whether it be the lack of talent. They, they're not as talented, right? I don't think they're as talented, especially, sure. you know, the interior of the offensive line, uh, not, not as talented. Donovan Smith has taken taking a big step back uh, over the previous two seasons. Tom Brady has not played his best football. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're not a, as talented, but on paper, I mean, you're still looking at, and just like you said, that's why the topic isn't, oh, this season's over. It's will they turn it around? Because everybody knows that, just like you said, they have good players. It's not like these players are bad. It's just right now they just can't overcome the bad things that happen during games. And well, I don't and- know. Go, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, I'll, I'll, I just wanted to ask you about this coaching staff in particular. While we talk about where the Bucks are right now, we can talk a ton about the talent on this team, the quarterback, and we'll talk about that shortly as well. Uh, but what do you make of this coaching staff? You know, we, we posed the question to Sean King earlier this year. Is it unfair for people to pile on to Todd Bowles the way that they have? Because, you know, again, everybody expected this transition to be smoother, but given he is still a first-year head coach, not his first tenor in the NFL, but you know what I'm saying. First year mm-hmm. as a head coach of this Bucks roster, you know, is it unfair to really harp on him for a bad year like this when the expectation was, oh, he cannot fail given the roster? But I mean, clearly he he kind of has, even though they still have first place in the division. Yeah, I, th- and that's that's such a complicated question, right? Because head coach, a lot like quarterback, often gets too much praise when things are going well and too much blame when things aren't. And, you know, I know that Todd Bowles is one of the most respected minds in the NFL when it comes to a defense defensive perspective. I mean, he is one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL. Being a head coach is a different animal though. Being a head coach is like being a CEO. You know, it's, it's, it's less about having your hand on one side of the ball or the other. Although some head coaches do and some head coaches do it very well. But there's just so much managerial parts and like these almost like leadership parts of being a head coach as opposed to just like being a really good coordinator. And I'm not saying that Todd Bowles isn't a good leader, but there's no doubt about it that some people respond differently to different leadership styles. And, you know, right when, you know, Evan was kind of talking before after uh, me just chatting a little bit about some overviews of the season, what I was about to say is that. The identity of this team and the mentality of this team is what shocks me the most. Mm-hmm. It's not even like, okay, Donovan Smith took a step back. All right, maybe that's not, you know, we, we maybe could have seen that coming. Leonard Fournette, all right, he's getting a little bit older. Maybe we could have seen that coming. He shows up to camp overweight. All right, maybe he's not the best version of himself that he's been. You know, like Chris Godwin coming back from injury. Julio Jones, he's getting older. The offensive line, they're beat up. Like, you can, you can find little things here and there, but it's the mentality of this team that is so shocking to me. And it's... Because- I'm sorry to cut you off again, and and I cut a whole promo on this two, three weeks ago. In my opinion, I feel like it's the complacency. Like, do you feel that as well? Does it feel like there just there hasn't been enough of a clear effort by both Todd Bowles and even Byron Leftwich, who has been criticized for the offense so far this season? Does it feel like there is a sense of complacency with this coaching staff that there wouldn't have been with Bruce, uh, Bruce Arians as, as, as head coach? I don't know if complacency is the word because if you say complacency, then it makes it, then it kind of it kind of makes you think like, oh, 
these coaches are coasting off the fact that they've got a Super Bowl ring and they don't really care that they're losing. And I, I would push back on that. I think they care that they're losing. Like they they don't want to be losing games. So I would I wouldn't say that they're complacent because I do think that it eats them up. But for whatever reason, there's no belief when things go wrong. And with Arians, I am a firm believer that a team takes on the identity of their head coach. It is just a natural thing that happens. Arians was a loud, in-your-face, aggressive, always confident, always hopeful, risk-it kind of a head coach. That is a fiery, meaningful, confident head coach that you cannot help but I think take on the identity of. And when you saw the Buccaneers back against the wall, yes, they had other players. And I think the roster, certainly everyone would say during the Super Bowl year was better than the roster they have now. But even that mentality, that fight, that belief was there for this team the way that it is not here with this team. They're sitting here at six and eight. If if you even put just the belief from the Super Bowl team, just the, just that mentality from the Super Bowl team on this current Buccaneers team, they're at, they're at least eight and six. They are at least eight and six. They at least have two more wins. And it like you go back to the Bengals game, and there have been a bunch of games that they've already played where it's been almost embarrassing how they cannot stop this avalanche, this snowball of negativity. One bad play. I go all the way back to that Carolina Panthers game that they lost, which. Look, I know Carolina's feisty, embarrassing loss. They shouldn't have lost yeah. that game, especially from where Carolina was at the time, right? Mike Evans, in the third play of the game, drops the wide open what should have been easy touchdown. And Evans says after the game, I saw the life drain out of everybody after I dropped that ball. After the third play of the game? The, 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 third, the third play of the game? And like that, to me... I don't think Mike's lying or anything like that. I think that speaks volumes of where this team is at mentally. The, if, if one thing goes wrong, the second Burrow started to snap it back into place on Sunday, you could see everybody. Here we go again. Mm-hmm. Here it comes. We're up 17-0. Ah, well, done. Matt. All of a sudden, boom, Bengals got 34 points. Game didn't even feel like it was close at any point in time by the time the clock is zero in the fourth quarter. That's the thing that I think is the most frustrating for the Buccaneers is, is it, 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 it's that. And that you don't really have an answer for, right? I mean, you, 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 can't, you can't go sign mentality in free agency, right? You can't, you can't go draft hope and confidence. Like th- those are things you can obviously draft players and the team gets better and it's easier to get those things. But I think that's the most frustrating thing for fans is that you look at a team where, yeah, they're not clearly as talented as they have been in the past, but still, even for where they are, it's frustrating to watch the mentality of them. And it just doesn't feel like they believe in themselves. And I think that's the product that you see out on the field. And unfortunately, going back to your original question, talking about the head coach and the coaching staff, that part to me, does fall on the coaching staff. That part does fall on the coaching staff. Players have a responsibility for it too, but that's what it feels like the biggest difference is between this year, last year, and the year before that. So we talk a lot on this show about, you know, uh, 
the coaching staff and everything, but it's also execution of the players, right? The the players, sure. uh, coaches aren't aren't going out there, you know. Co- the Byron Leftwich didn't bobble the ball trying to give it to Leonard Fournette, you know. Um, that the, he didn't tell Tom Brady to do that. So, you know, and I think a lot of people are co- sort of wrestling with the idea. And the more losses pile up, the more people are so quick to blame the coaching staff. And I I think they are definitely to blame for for a lot of this. And I, I think that Byron Leftwich should certainly be on the hot seat. Uh, I don't, I don't see, I, you know, your former uh, colleague at Pewter Report, Scott Reynolds, believes there's no way that Leftwood should survive, uh, you know, the, re- the, you know, this offseason, basically. Um, and I think a lot of people agree. Um, but when you look at this season as a whole, do you think it's more on, I, I think it's a mix of both, but do you think it's more on that change at coach, that mentality? Or do you think it's just, look, the players aren't, aren't executing the way they used to? It's definitely both. I I will say this. I I think my immediate answer to that question is coaching. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of things that have happened behind closed doors within this organization that we just, we, we, I mean, we don't know. Like, let's be honest, guys. The whole Brady retiring and then coming out of retirement and then Bruce Arians stepping down like two weeks later – I don't fully I don't believe the whole like Brady talked to the owners and said it's Bruce or me if Bruce mm. leaves then I'll come back like I don't fully believe that but I do wonder what happened after Bruce Arians really stepped down because you know if anybody out there is like fans of the show like Game of Thrones right like anytime anytime there was a new king that was established it didn't matter if that king wore the crown there were people who were vying for the actual power within the inner circle or whatever so i i, I and i'm not again i i don't want to like accuse anybody or anything but i i truly believe that there is stuff that's going on behind the scenes that we don't know about because on the surface level, it's really easy to blame the head coaches. But then I often stop myself and be like, this is the same coaching staff. Like even yeah. if you want, like even if you want to say Todd Bowles, he's a more soft-spoken guy, he's not as fiery of a leader, that goes into it. As you guys know, I just said that. So I think that that is true. But to this extent, I don't know. That's that's what kind of makes me think that uh, there's a lot of there are, there are a lot of politics and things that go on behind closed doors of a team that we never find out. And I think that that goes that 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 goes into it as much as anything else too. The stuff that we can't see. Yeah, we'll never hear about that stuff unless you know Tom Brady writes about it in a book forty years from now when people aren't caring that much. Maybe we'll hear about yeah, it when but he retires in thirty nine years. Right, exactly. Then he'll, then he'll write um, the book forty years. From now. <laughs> but as of right now, you know, we talk about the state of the Bucks. Uh, and we mentioned this coaching staff, you know, Scott Reynolds had even alluded a couple of times this year to legitimate tension inside one buck place, which can support some of what you're saying. I'm, I'm sure that there are things that have been said, and I'm sure that there has been a much more increased level of tension this year, because let's face it, which happens winning, when you're losing. Yeah, yeah winning, winning, winning cures everything like nobody's happy to come to work when you're six and eight and you, you know, just lost two in a row in embarrassing fashion. Nobody's happy to see each other uh, in that circumstance. But. Obviously, we're in a situation now where it seems like the expectations are that even though this season has not gone to plan, we're more than likely going to get another season of Todd Bowles. Not sure what the mix-up at offensive coordinator is going to be, as most people think that uh, you know Byron Leftwich will no longer be here following mm-hmm. the offseason. Todd Bowles with a chance to kind of break that Arians coaching tree, which 
will also be pretty interesting to set expectations for next season. But let's talk about how the rest of this season wraps up here. Now, as a Bucks fan, this has been a discussion that has been brought up on, on the Twitterverse, on social media, on message boards, anywhere you can find it. And a lot of people are going back and forth about what kind of what kind of uh, opinion, I guess, you should have as a fan regarding the Bucks, and maybe what scenario is going to be best for the team in the long run. Uh, when I check today, the Bucks right now are slated for the 19th pick in the 2023 yes. NFL Draft. Can you get an impactful player at 19? Yeah, you can. Is it as easy as a top 10 pick? It is not, but... The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are also first place in the NFC South, and at this rate, they are on pace to have a home playoff game, something that they have only had once before in a decade and a half. So with that being said, uh, former colleague of yours, John Ledyard, had posed the question, is it better for the Bucs in long-term success for Carolina to just go ahead and win the division this year so the Bucs get a little bit better draft placement um, maybe it knocks down the credit of Todd Bowles and shakes things up in that department as well. Or do you think people should be more amped up about the fact that the Bucks only have six wins and they're still on pace to be the four seed in the NFC? Like where, where do you fall in that discussion as far as, you know, what do you think is going to be best for this team in the long run? Because for a team that doesn't hang a lot of division banners, even if they limp into the playoffs at eight, and nine, it's going to be hard to knock Todd Bowles for winning the NFC South his first year as head coach. Yeah, first of all, who's John Ledyard? I've never heard of him. No, I'm yeah. not, I love John. Um, well, you know, it's it is obviously an interesting question because you know we've, the the joke has kind of come up over the last couple of weeks. Somebody's got to win the NFC South. We know that that's how the NFL nobody playoffs. wants to do it. Nobody at all. No, the problem is, Red, is that a lot of people want to do it. And they can't. Yeah. They can't do it. Is the thing you've got? What is it? Three teams that. Five and uh, nine, five and, nine yeah. and then one team at six and eight. I genuinely believe that whoever wins this division is going to win it at seven and ten, which is hilarious. And what's also hilarious about this is if the Bucks win it, which they have the highest odds, obviously, to to win the division. If they win it, they'll probably get the Cowboys in round one, and the Bucks have had the Cowboys number for the last two years. So it's like of Tom any Brady's team, never lost, never lost. You, if, if any team that you could have played, it's Listen, probably the Cowboys. I, I don't want to be overly optimistic. Tom Brady has done a lot of things in his 23-plus year career in the NFL, but it's like, yeah. I mean, once you get to the tournament, everybody's 0-0. The Bucks have an above-average defense, and even though he's not the Tom Brady from 20 and 21, He's still Tom Brady, and he's still making the throws that this offense needs to play well this year. So I, I, I you know, I don't want to plant the seed for anyone who has just accepted the fact that the Bucks are a first round exit. But like, it, I, I legit, I legitimately feel like, even with the Bucks playing as bad as they have, anything could happen in the postseason. Look, they're playing the Cowboys round one. They play the Eagles round two. Jalen Hurts' shoulder is still going to be hurt. They're going to beat the Eagles. They're going to upset the Eagles, and then it's 49ers. They're going to lose 34 to zero to the 49ers. The oh, that's where the no, fun sorry. ends. <laughs> I couldn't even make up a, a situation where that would have been fun. Look, going back to your original question, um, fans should uh, root for whatever makes them happy. Honestly, like that's one first and foremost. This is what sports are about. Root for whatever makes you happy. If you want the team to lose because you love the the idea of them getting a higher draft pick. Um, as we mentioned, the records of the other three teams in the NFL right now, the Carolina Panthers, the New Orleans Saints, and the uh, and the um, Falcons. 
Falcons, the Atlanta Falcons. I forgot which one I didn't say. They are picks seven, eight, and nine in the NFL draft right now. Big so difference. if the Buccaneers, <laughs> so if the Buccaneers do not make the division, there's a good chance that they're going to have a top ten overall pick in the upcoming NFL draft. So obviously that's a big deal. If you think that is the best long term for the team, get a little bit closer. Maybe drafting a quarterback, whatever it is, you're allowed to root for that. I was asked this question actually earlier today, ironically enough, and Rhett, I I kind of took the latter point that you made. I've watched Bucks football my entire life. I'm from just south of Tampa. It's my childhood team. Um, we all have watched a lot of really bad Buccaneers football over the years. And uh, I will not be one to root for losses while one Tom Brady is still on the team. So um, I personally won't be going that route. Um, but honestly, man, fans should – have the freedom and be able to root for it however they want. And I think that John was saying that as well. John, yeah, I, yeah. I I know what he was doing. John was definitely just pointing out like, hey, the team's not Super Bowl caliber this year. Mm-hmm. The team's probably not even deep playoff run this year. Right. The, the team, in all honesty, probably going to make the playoffs at below 500, probably going to get beat in the wild card round. They're probably going to be a one and done. Would you rather be a one and done in the playoffs or would you rather lose and get a top 10 pick? For the future, for a sustainable yeah. Maybe next winning window? Right, you'd probably rather do that. But he wasn't telling anybody how to feel. And uh I don't think uh I don't think we should either. And but and, and when you've right. got those when you've got those fan colored glasses on, logic doesn't always apply, right? Like uh, obviously the more logical thing you want to do for the uh for the future of the team is is try and secure a top ten pick, go after that next franchise player, whatever position it may be. But let me ask you one more worst case scenario question here. Oh, I love these. Thank you. Yeah. If the Bucs somehow miss the playoffs, does Todd Bowles have a job next season in Tampa Bay? Yeah. So, I mean, this is the this is the million-dollar question, right? Um, I think up to this point, and I would still at this point in time, say that Todd Bowles is going to be the head coach. Uh, you look at the way that Todd Bowles ascended to the head coaching position in the offseason, and Bruce Arians purposefully stepped away gave his headset to Todd Bowles um not because he didn't think that like no one else was going to give it to Bowles but I I think that he has watched what has happened to not just Todd Bowles but um black head coaches and black head coaching candidates over the years you know Arian's been in coaching a long time and he's watched a lot of good coaches um get passed over for a lot of jobs and I think a good chunk of those would be blackhead coaches that, quite frankly, just do not get the same level of respect and level of consideration as their white counterparts. I think that that's just absolutely true. And the reason why Arian stepped away the way that he did, and if you remember what he said, is he was championing Todd Bowles. And he believes that Todd Bowles was fully deserving of that opportunity with Tom Brady to get a legit shot with a legit with a legit team, not just him getting a head coaching jo- job for a rebuilding franchise and being another head coach scapegoat, kind of like it felt like he was with the New York Jets. So for the reasons why he became the head coach in Tampa Bay, it would be really hard for me to think ownership's going to pull the plug on that. It's just, it turns, whether you think it's the right move or not, which I know a lot of people out there think that it's the right move to move on from Todd Bowles. It's a tough look, no matter what, given what happened last year and how they got into this situation with him being head coach. And, and, it's just again, you, you I, I, 
I'm kind of hesitant to even say all that because it always comes off as like, well, if Todd Bowles, you know, keeps the head coaching job, he doesn't really deserve it. I don't, again, I don't know exactly what's been going on behind the scenes, but there's no doubt that if you look at wins and loss record this season, been a massive disappointment. So that one I know is very true and you can't really run away from that. But I do think Todd Bowles is going to be the head coach of this team next year for a myriad of reasons. Those are a couple of reasons why. I, I do think history also shows that like the Glazers just don't, they, they don't have a history of cutting guys after one season. Like they're not, you, you can, they're not one and done. So you yeah. can look at Greg Schiano, you, you know, that's kind of a, that's kind of the outlier in that situation. But even if he somehow misses the playoffs this year, I kind of want to agree while it would be an easier situation to just rip the bandaid off. I, I do agree with what you said. Uh, and it would be a bit of a bad look there. Evan, I know I kind of jumped on top of you there. What were you going to say? Yeah, no, just, um, you know, the tough thing for me when you're talking about missing the playoffs, one, if they lose, if they go one and two and miss the playoffs, let's say the one of the losses is to Carolina, Carolina takes the division. That's tough. You know, but what it's even tougher if they lose all three. Like, um, mm-hmm. imagine if they lose their, their final five games of the season and they're a Tom Brady play away from beating the Saints away from losing the last six games of the season. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know how Todd Bowles you – know, I understand the situation with Bruce Arians and everything. To me, though – how can Todd Bowles say, I know we went six and six and eleven with Tom Brady, but next year we're gonna be even better without him? You know, like how how can if if and now I don't know are the Glazers gonna look at it and say, Okay, the three years was great. It's we're you know, we're gonna give Bowles, you know, the leash here because we know that this season isn't gonna be, you know, the prettiest. But if the Glazers are still thinking, let's go out and compete. How can Todd Bowles convince them that he's the guy after all this stuff has happened? And yeah, I'm sure the Glazers know a lot more than than we do about what has exactly has gone on in you know behind closed doors and everything. But I just that's the like you said that's the tough sell for me for Bowles. And, and I mean, he could sell it as you know I'm gonna you know find a new offensive coordinator, this and that. You know, this really isn't Todd Bowles' staff. Like this is Bruce Arians' handpicked staff. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't consult Todd Bowles when he was building the staff on, you know, do you want, you want Byron Leftwich as the offensive coordinator? Like, you know, that's not a Todd Bowles decision. And by the time that move had happened, it was late March. Like it was too late to do anything at that point. Mm-hmm. So uh, I do think there is some cases that Bowles could make, but to me, if, if you're missing the playoffs, anytime you miss the playoffs with a quarterback like Tom Brady and a roster as talented as this, wouldn't it just be almost delaying the inevitable? Because you would imagine Bowles is entering 2023 on the hot seat if, if they miss the playoffs. Right, right. You would, you would imagine that, that you win four or five games in 2023, he's going to be gone anyway. Yeah. So you're, you're just sort of delaying the inevitable to me. And again, I personally think they're still going to win the NFC South. And we talked about it. You're not going to fire a coach when you're hanging up a banner the next day. It says NFC South champions. Mm-hmm. Um, Todd Bowles beat, you know, they swept the Saints. They beat the Rams. That's two things that Bruce Arians seems never did. Um, so, I mean, he's got some stuff to hang his hat on. But it's just that thing of missing the playoffs in a division this bad in Tom Brady's potential final season with the team or in the NFL, it's just that that's a tough pill to swallow if you're the Glazers and, and Jason Light. And yeah. also, how are you going to sell the fans on that as well? Right. No, it it, it gets really tough. Um, look, I, I think it's going to be tough even if they win the division, right? It's going to be tough yeah. to get that taste out of your mouth of kind of what a disappointment this season has been. 
you know, I'm kind of obviously talking from the vantage point of where we sit today. If they were to lose three in a row, if they lose two out of the next three, maybe I'll sit here and I will feel different. But I, I do still feel at this point the same that I felt at the beat at, I'll say midway through the year where I was like, look, things don't look great. You can make a case for the head coach to be fired, but one and done head coaches are tough. And a one and done head coach, given the situation of what we had last offseason, which and how Todd Bowles came to that position, would be that would that would just be a really tough look. Again, even if you think that it would be the correct decision, would the Glazers make that? I don't not, know. Not to quote John again, um, he does it better than I could, but it would be regarded as an all time fumbling of the bag, and it would obviously be the Bucks admitting that that's exactly what happened. You know what I mean? Right. They have lost faith in Todd Bowles. Uh, with another quarterback other than Tom Brady, he's not going to be able to make this team a contender once Cause, again. But because you got to think about it, if you are firing Todd Bowles, I can't imagine Arians is going to stick around at all. Yeah, right? no I mean, way. Like, I, I mean, I, honestly, honestly, I feel like, I mean, maybe I could be wrong, but I feel like once Brady's gone, Arians is also gone out of that imaginary position he has as well. Well, maybe, but I don't know how much stress this current position has on Arians. Like, I, I don't, I don't know if it's the exact same thing. But if you are moving on from Todd Bowles, like if 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 a month from now they're moving on from Todd Bowles, then they probably didn't win the division. They probably got a top ten overall pick, and they're going to have openings at um, head coach, offense coordinator, defense coordinator, and quarterback. Like, mm-hmm. it is going to be you are going to see full buccaneer rebuild of old if they end up firing Todd Bowles, which maybe some people really want. But that's that is what the massive changes that we might get if they get rid of him. Because I do think that Byron Leftwich is done. I think he has to be done. Yeah. Somebody has to be the Held fall guy yeah. for for yeah for what for what happened this season. I think it's going to be Leftwich. But if Leftwich leaves, does Brady stick around? I mean I don't know. So here, here's here's the thing yeah. with, with me though, and this is why I'm, I'm going to argue that point about the rebuild. If you get a top ten pick, let's say you get a CJ Stroud, does it have to be a rebuild? Let's say you get the we saw what Mike McDaniel has done in Miami in his first mm-hmm. year, Brian Dayball right in New York. Does it have to be a rebuild? Because this be could this be more of a retool that there's you know it's not like unless you're trading guys you know Mike Evans if you're you're trading you know like Devin White you know you're getting rid of those guys sure but like you have Tristan Wirfs one of the best right tackles in, in the sport uh, Mike Evans still a great receiver Chris Godwin would be a year removed from a major injury um, you know Ryan Genta would be coming back if you get a guy like a CJ Stroud who's a guy who I think's ready to play right I, I think Bryce Young and CJ Stroud are, are the two that, that are ready to play right now um, and you get the, the right head coach in there who's to say it's not more of a, a retool rather than a rebuild that's the only thing I would push back on that I think that it would just kind of come down to how you're going to go about the roster after this like if you're getting rid of Todd Bowles, and I'm thinking about all this for the first time. So this is all I'm. I'm literally just kind of like Putting vomiting my here, words sure. here. No, no, no. It's fine. It, I mean, this is this is when like these exercises are fun. But like, if you're getting rid of Todd Bowles, if you're getting rid of the offensive coordinator, and if if Tom Brady's no longer on the team, are you keeping the entire rest of the team? Because I do hear what you're saying, right? There's good head coach candidates out there, right? And I think that they'd be able to fill out a good staff, and you know, maybe you get yourself a C.J. Stroud, a Will Levis, something like that, an Anthony but- Richardson. I don't know. But do you move on from other pieces? Like Donovan Smith is all of a sudden going to be 30 years old next year, coming off not a very good year this year, and you could save $10 million on the cap if you cut him. 
Right. Levante David is, for as much as I would love for Levante David to never play in another uniform other than a Buccaneer uniform for his entire career, he's an unrestricted free agent this year. And he's getting up there in age. Julio Jones is an unrestricted free agent. Akeem Hicks is an unrestricted free agent. Carl Nassib, Sean Murphy Bunting, Jamel Dean, Raheem Nunez Roches, like all of these guys that were part of a core that was obviously in the old winning window. Do you just, do you bring a bunch of them back? Do you try to run it back with a younger quarterback? Or do you go, no, 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 no. We're hitting reset on all of it. And you have the ability to do that. It just, do you. So wanted to throw that out there too. Yeah, no, that, that that's the question I was going to pose is like, how much of this core can you keep, move forward and stay competitive as well? Because I think that's the question you have to ask yourself if you're in a situation where they do move on from Todd Bowles. You know what I mean? You can make a move on a rookie quarterback. And, and honestly, I still feel like this Bucks roster has the core to be somewhat competitive with a rookie quarterback in a new yeah. head coach like if, i don't think it would be like if it's a high tier guy like stroud yeah 100 mm-hmm. percent. If, if you are in a position where you have a top 10 draft pick you know you're gonna have to allocate some resources because trevor like you had brought up just that laundry list of free agents that the bucks have and there's a lot of guys that you could potentially move on from and try and get younger at that position maybe sacrificing you know your uh your skill depth at that certain position but you're looking towards the future so Let me ask you another scenario here, and I guess this has to do with Tom Brady in particular and kind of what we've been talking about with the future of Tampa Bay. Mm -hmm. It seems like the general consensus is that Todd Bowles is back next season. So what do you make of Tom Brady? Is it? it, I mean, a lot of people definitely feel like the ship has sailed. He is 100% going to be out of Tampa, regardless of if he plays another year or not, and he just retires again. Uh, do you think Tom Brady retires at the end of the year, or do you think if he plays another season, it's definitely not going to be in Tampa? I think him coming back to Tampa is option three. Um, I think retirement is probably option one. Um, I would say that playing for another team is option two only because he would be very selective with where he would go. And for his, as, as much as, I think that Tom Brady is pretty low on the totem pole of things that are to blame this season. This has not been a great Tom Brady year. Whereas like, for example, last year, it, you know, him going through this whole, can I play for a different team? That's not the bucks. So many teams in the NFL would have wanted Tom Brady. No second thought. Do what would they now? I think the suitors are probably less jazzed about it at this point. He's a year older. He's coming off one of his worst years in, a long, long time. So that's why I would say I think retirement is is probably number one for him, the most likely outcome. Number two would be probably playing for a different team. And then number three would be coming back to Tampa Bay. I don't think it's impossible. It's just it's been so bad this year. I, I don't I don't know if he would want to subject himself to another year. The, the damage has been done is what you're saying. Not fully, uh, but there has been damage done, I guess I, w- I would say. So here, here's my, and I still believe, I've said it for a while, I still believe Brady is going to retire um, at the end of the year. He mm-hmm. wanted to play until he was 45. He just turned 40. He's 45 right now. Like, 
it's you know that's what his goal was um he wanted to do that he's done that so um i think he's accomplished everything he's wanted to do and i think you know with his all-field situation i think that's it's changed a lot and i think that's why a lot of people are saying well maybe maybe he will you know maybe maybe he will come back for another year um and and i'm a a bit more optimistic about i don't think i don't know we're not gonna say it's likely but if he does decide to play i'm a bit more optimistic that it could be in tampa and and here's why Bruce Arians steps down, just like we said, right? We all know what's going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. You don't think Tom Brady knew that the guy was going to be Todd Bowles? Like, you don't think if, sure. if Tom Brady had any reservations about Todd Bowles that he would say them and maybe it would give them pause? You know, maybe it's Harold Goodwin instead. Maybe it's Byron Leftwich. You, you don't you don't think that? Um, so I don't think it's a Todd Bowles thing. Is he a little frustrated with Leftwich? Maybe. What if we just talked about Leftwich likely isn't going to be here? Mm-hmm. So what if Tom Brady gets to say in the offensive coordinator? He's getting his Pro Bowl center back. I know it's a you know he's over thirty years old and it was a serious injury, but he's going to have Ryan Jensen back for next year. Um, it's in Jack a familiar... Mason. Jack Mason yeah. also still under Jack, contract. Jack Russell Mason's Gage still, still here. Mike's still yeah, here. I mean, Chris Godwin's still here. There's there's a lot of the you know the, the core still there. Mm-hmm. If you bring back Brady, you're probably bringing back Levante David. What has you know like you you list the free agents. Are they going to miss Kyle Rudolph? Are they going to miss Julio Jones? Are they going to miss Akeem Hicks? Like, uh, are they, they going to miss those guys? You know, um, so like, yeah, you say, oh, look at the, these free agents. Are they going to miss Cameron Bright if they decide to cut him? Are they going to miss Leonard Fournette if they decide to cut him? So you know, there, there, there's a lot of, of things, and the obvious one, and this is why I'm going to compare it because everybody says, oh, he's just going to end up in San Francisco. Assuming that's a one-year or at most two-year thing. Does he really want to move all the way across the country to play for a brand new offense with brand new teammates at 46 years old when it's known that his preference is also the East Coast to be closer to his son? That's that's tough. You know, that's that's tough. I still believe retirement is the most likely thing. However, I think I would probably have Tampa as option two. Um, instead of option three for the reasons I, I listed. I, I think they obviously, you know, I Ian Rappaport said it as such, and I'm like, yeah, duh. Like, yeah, of course the Bucks would love to have him back. Like, no dip. But, um, you know, and, and I, I think Brady does genuinely like it in, in Tampa. I think mm-hmm. if he didn't, things would be a lot – You'd it'd be a lot more loud, I think, if he, if he didn't. And I, I just think there's more of a chance. I don't think it's likely, but I think there's more of a chance if he decides to play in, in 2023 that it could be, you know, for the Bucks. That's solid points. I agree. <laughs> it all kind of just depends. I, again, this goes back to uh, what the mindset is of these guys um, almost at a personal level, right? At like a yeah. life level. Like, and those things, I, I do I do think people, fans, don't take that into consideration as much as they should when it comes to guys moving, different decisions, how long the contract is, all that stuff. That was a big thing for Brady choosing Tampa the first time. You know, oh yeah, hundred percent. The the location and family and stuff. It, you know. So I, I don't, you know, I, I don't know. And and like I said, I still, if I had to bet, yeah, Tom Brady will not be on the Bucks next year. But I also don't believe he's going to be in the NFL. I think he's taken a lot of hits this year. Um, you know, his shoulder got a little messed up, which I don't know if that's fully healed uh, from that Chiefs game in week four when he had the fumble and his shoulder got got hit pretty good. Um, you know, he was beat around in San Francisco. I just, you know, I think he's taken a lot of hits 
Like I said, he wanted to play till he was 45. He went to a different team, won a Super Bowl. Doesn't sound like his, his buddy, you know, Gronkowski has any interest in really coming back to football. So I just, you know, Antonio Brown, that whole thing kind of blew up. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think he's going to look at it at the end of the year and just say, like, look, if I, you know, if I don't want to do the Fox thing, I can probably get out of it. But I got this huge job at Fox and that's probably what I'll go do. So that's what I had to guess. Now, we've spent a lot of time covering hypothetical scenarios for Tampa Bay on today's pod. Let's wrap it up with probably the most likely scenario for Tampa Bay. Let's assume they make the playoffs. They're a first-round exit. You've got a mid-round first-round pick. you got Todd Bowles coming back. Offensive coordinator probably up in the air, but a lot of people also seem to think uh, there's going to be a change at quarterback. So, so, Trevor, let me ask you this. For Tampa Bay, if they find themselves in that position, right, mid-round first pick, um, first round exit, Tom Brady retires, Todd Bowles is coming back with a new offensive coordinator. I, I know what you're going to ask him. Is what it going to no, be the battle of Florida Gator quarterbacks in training camp for the Buccaneers? Not exactly <laughs> that question in particular, but I did want to ask, you know, what does the battle plan look like for the Bucs? Do, do they want to try and kick the can down the road and be aggressive in going after another quarterback to follow up Tom Brady? Or are they just going to kind of take it on the chin and accept the fact that maybe they're not going to be as aggressive in the quarterback sweepstakes? You end up signing a free agent, <coughs> Gardner Minshew, uh, to bring in legitimate competition for Kyle Trask to see what a year of that is going to look like. And maybe that's good enough to get you, you know, a good quarterback in the 2024 draft. Like, what is your opinion on uh, on where this Bucks team is going to be headed, particularly at the quarterback position if Tom Brady retires like we all expect him to? Gardner Minshew, that'd be fun. Come on, dude. I'm telling you. I don't know if Gardner Minshew would be bad enough for them to draft the quarterback the next year, though. The team would probably be too good. Listen, I've been telling everybody about Minshew Mania in Tampa Bay, and and they they talk to me like I'm a madman. So please talk to the people. Well, we're going to get to see it with Jalen Hurts being out, I think, at least for a game. So people will get to see some Minshew Mania in uh, in Philadelphia, at least to to, to end the season a little bit here. Uh, You know... Obviously, mock drafts and predictions can change a lot between now and the end of April. But, I mean, I'm going to be honest. They're sitting there at 19. I don't even. I I don't know if there's going to be a quarterback that they like at 19. Like, I if if I the only, I only say, one that's I, possibly there is Richardson. Right? Yeah, I definitely I don't, don't think they're going to be all said and done. I don't think Richardson's yeah, going to be. Yeah, yeah. I I'm just thinking in my head. Like, if if you if I had to put a hundred dollars on the line right now, or Bryce Young, Will Levis, C.J. Stroud, and Anthony Richardson gone before 19. I'd say, yeah, I'd put $100 on the line that all four of them are gone before 19. Um, that would leave you with, like, Tanner McKee, Hendon Hooker, um, you know, like somebody like that. But it's like, I, I don't think you're – I don't think you're taking those guys at 19. So yeah, I, yeah, I don't think I don't think they're going to be hunting for a quarterback at 19. Hendon and Hooker is a 25 year old quarterback who just had a major injury. You're not I know, taking I know. The first round. No, you're not. No, you're not. Uh, wonderful season from Hendon. Yes. It was unbelievable to watch, but you're not taking him in the first round. I mean, if one of those guys is available around 19, I think that you go hunting for it because I don't think the future quarterback for the Buccaneers, the future franchise quarterbacks on the roster. I mean, Blaine Gabbert's a free agent as well. Ryan Griffin, obviously, we know has never really been called upon to be a starting quarterback. Kyle Trask was sure picked at the back end of the second round, but I always thought that was a weird pick for the Buccaneers anyways, and he's been inactive on game day. So it's a scenario where he'd be totally green at this point to believe in him, and uh, I, I don't... I don't have a ton of faith in him as the as a potential franchise quarterback for Tampa. So I think they'll be looking. But if they're not in the quarterback sweepstakes and they're in the middle of that first round, I think it's got to be defensive line. 
Like, I think they have a lot of names along the defensive line. I don't think they have a lot of impact players, right? Vita was not the Vita Vea that we know in the first, I'll say, like, quarter of the season, third mm-hmm. of the season. Now, he came on and he started to play better, which is nice. And and you're getting, like, a much better version of Vita Vea when he's been healthy out there. Shaq Barrett is still a really good player, but coming off a major injury going into next season, where's the explosiveness going to be? Is it going to be at the level that you need to have it? Um, I like what Joe Tryon Shoyunka has shown, but he still hasn't become that finisher yet. Hoping he takes that next step next season. But like you look at William Golson's a free agent. Akeem Hicks is a free agent. Rakeem Nunez Rocha is a free agent. Carl Nass is a free agent. Obviously they don't have Jason Pierre Paul anymore. Anthony Nelson as well. Anthony Nelson's a free agent. So not that you can't bring any of those guys back. They could probably bring a couple of them back if they wanted to, but you need difference makers and, and, you know, along the defensive line, you know, I look at a guy like Siaka Ika from Baylor who gives kind of a similar skill set to Vita Vea, just a uh, mismatch power interior player who gives you some really plus pass rush ability as well along the, the edge rusher. If you want to get another edge rusher in there, BJ Ojolari, maybe a Byron Young, uh, I don't think Tyree Wilson's going to be there. He should be because I'm not the biggest fan of Tyree Wilson. But you know, like th- those those kinds of players, I think you could you could draft somewhere around 19. But if it's not quarterback for the Buccaneers, I think it's got to be defensive line. That feels like the area that could be the most glaring if they don't address it. And, and you know, the the tough thing for me to have this exercise, and of course, all can change. You know, free agencies before the draft. What happens if the Bucks can't pay Jamal Dean? You know, then cornerback shoots up up your board, you know, a Christian Gonzalez from Oregon, if he's there, Mm -hmm. Um, a Clark Phillips from Utah, if if he's there, Um, you know, that that changes a lot. Right. But I I do agree that um, if you're not getting quarterback uh, now, the the one question I want to ask you, because I want to stick on the quarterback thing, because, you know, we'll have you on before the draft and everything for sure to break all that stuff down. But. Okay, so let's say you're not drafting a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Are you – if you're you're the GM of the Buccaneers, Tom Brady is no longer there. Let's say you get a different offensive coordinator. Uh, are, are, are you signing – well, it's a different question. It's not, it's, not, it's not which guy. It's are you signing a veteran or are you just saying, look, like you drafted Trask in the second round. Like let's see what we have. Let's re-sign Gabbert and let's see what we have in Trask. Or, or are you going the, the veteran route with Minshew or a Jacoby Brissett, something like that in free agency? I know it's a tough question, but I think I'd, I just as an outsider, I'd probably go to Trask. You invest a second round pick in him for a reason. So I'd probably give him that chance. Um, but I've also I'm not I, I'm it's not like I'm I'm at practice every day watching all practice so like I don't know how he's been progressing like if they're they could very well be like yeah he ain't like he ain't ready he, he did he did look better this preseason than he did last preseason right so like I, and and that's why I think that I'd probably give him the reins over signing a veteran I, I really would I I probably kind of. And it's tough, right? Because I think the roster is getting a little bit older. A lot of those core guys yeah. are getting a little bit older. You don't just want to simulate a year because that's another year on the contracts and the year then getting older. And that's kind of a tough sell. But I think rather than use free agency money or draft capital to go trade for a guy, I'd probably just start Trask. I'd probably start Trask, so- see what you have in him. And if it's not good, you're drafting a quarterback for sure next year. All right, so one last question as we kind of wrap this thing up, and, and you probably just answered this, but um, your prediction for the starting quarterback on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2023, who is it and why is it Lamar Jackson? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 
Uh, maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit on that part. But uh, it, it, who do you it, think it, is going to be the Bucks' starting return, quarter? Return well, it's Lamar Jackson because yeah. Mike Greenberg's an absolute wizard. I'm, with the I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Don't don't ever count him out. Um. Cop out answer, but I'll just say that it's 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 not Tom Brady. Uh, I I just think that there's 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 too many wild cards about where they could end up drafting. If they're picking in the top ten, I think there's a very good chance they're taking a quarterback. But if not, it would be hard for me to think that they would just totally go out and sign a guy. So or, or let's do Kyle Trash slash Blaine Gabbert or the field. Um, one of those two guys or the rest of them. Well, because if it's one of those two guys, eventually it's going to become both of them. I feel like you know, <laughs> it's gonna morph. Yeah. I, 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 get, I feel like yeah, if Gabbert starts, if Trash I guess starts, this this is a different question between what I would do and what I think yes, the teams can yes, do. Yes, 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 yeah. I think I would take the field. Then I think that I think that they okay. bring somebody else in. Okay, that's what I think. Minshew mania, baby. <laughs> Maybe right, listen. Do, one last quarterback question: Do you think they draft a quarterback at all in the draft? Trying to think of this class and how deep it might be, because I think there could be some talent in the second and third round. Yeah. Maybe, uh, some guy, maybe some guys that fall. To me, I would rather just if you're not picking one of the first, like I would just rather just. That's it. That's just, that, yeah. The Bucks aren't really at a point to where it's like, oh, let's just take a quarterback and see. I mean, I get you. Look, guys work out all the time, so I say it in that voice, yeah, and maybe Jay I'm just a second round pick. It, but, yeah. Right. So, uh, I would say yes. Then, like if it's if it's Gabbert and Trask that you're that you're rolling with, and you don't bring in a free agent, I would say that yeah, they're probably drafting a quarterback at some point. All right, well, ladies yeah, and got, gentlemen, got, got three got three games left. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah, we 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 will see real quick. I want to ask you one last question. Mm-hmm. Would you, if you're a let's say you're an opposing you know team, would you rather play the Bucks or the Vikings in the first round? I mean, it's it's. Would you rather play Kirk Cousins or Tom Brady? Like, well, if it's Kirk, it's probably a primetime game. Yeah, <laughs> it goes into it. Um, I'd still rather play the Bucks. The Bucks stink. Sorry. Okay. Oh sorry. man. I'm sorry. What a way to put a bow on this one. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the pod. Your 2022-2023 NFC South champions. Uh, Back to back, baby. Oh, man. Looking forward to the Bucks. Hopefully keeping things together just enough to hang a banner at the end of this year. So we can when's when's the last time the Bucks won back to back NFC South titles? Like literally, I I think early two thousands. It had it's gotta be Super Bowl era, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like Has right, like the first few seasons, the NFC South was even created. I'm sure they were still a competitive team. Let's see, back to back. Um, did they do it in the Gruden years? They didn't do it in the Gruden years. Yeah, they won it the first year. Then the next one that was what 2000. Uh, they were second. I don't. They've never won back to back. <laughs> this Bucks team is going to go eight and nine and make history. It's, it's the it, first the Buccaneers yeah. team to go back to back. It's incredible how you know we're tracking the history of this team. They have been both historically bad and a lot of season firsts, obviously for Tampa Bay. It would be a franchise first to get two division to division titles in back to back years. And of course, this is also the year that they sweep New Orleans for the first time in a decade and a half and uh, get the LA Rams (laughs) off of their back. But I've said it before, I'll say it again. If there's anything we can be happy about, it's that, uh, you know, after the Bucs won the Super Bowl in 2021, they didn't go out like a bunch of chumps like we have watched the Rams do this season. I know injuries have obviously played a part, but listen, they they won the Super Bowl (laughs) and then won a franchise high number of games. So I I, listen, I'm 
I'm okay with that. One one thing really quick I say to everybody when like, you know, obviously up in the Philly area, people ask me my opinion on what happened, you know, what's happened. I'm like, it's so funny because the one year they beat the Rams and the Saints, they can't beat anybody else. Yeah. Anybody, anybody else. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's the pod. Thank you so much for hanging out with us live on YouTube today. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already for more great Tampa Bay Buccaneers content. Trevor Sikama from Pro Football Focus. Where can the people find you and your awesome content? Yeah, pff.com. A lot of great video stuff that we're doing over on PFF's YouTube channel. We got a daily show at 11 a.m. every single day, Monday through Friday. Fantastic. Um, It's just football. Me and Mike Renner, we're having a lot of fun there. And then, you know, if you were – if you anybody out there trying to dip your toe a little bit into draft season, the NFL Stock Exchange podcast, myself and Connor Rogers, we're going through our early position rankings right now, giving you guys our top fives, our top tens for every position in the upcoming NFL draft. Having a lot of fun doing that. Thanks again for your time. Always a pleasure to have you on the show with us. Find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire podcasts. Best place to go for updates on the show. And of course, Buccaneer News as it happens Speaking of Bucks news, as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL and check out his written work at BucksNation.com. I know you have the um, the stock report coming out this week, but what else you got? Uh, yeah, the predictions review should be out soon. And then uh, obviously going to be looking at three burning questions for this week as well. Last but not least, you can find myself, Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. We'll talk to you later this week. Get you warmed up for a Christmas Day battle in the desert between Tampa Bay and Arizona. Should be a good game. And uh, I'm hoping that we can unwrap a W for the first time in what feels like forever in front of our families. Because if I got to sit around my mom for a second week in a row and watch the Bucks just collapse like they did against Cincinnati, they might have to put me on a list. But ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it. I'm your host, Rhett Matthew, signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanish, and special guest, Trevor Sykema. We'll talk to you on Friday. Until then, and as always, thanks for listening, and go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.